Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Good morning, Blue Oaks. Apparently, I'm Mr. Happy. (laughs) My wife's like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. Hey, how's everybody's Christmas? Well, that was a resounding three of you. Had a good time. How's everybody's Christmas? Good. We're going to need some participation this morning. Uh, The New Year's coming. It's knocking on the door, but it is still 2018. So we're going to spend this morning... It's kind of wrapping up the year, talking together. Uh, but first, you know, I thought since um, we're moving, I thought, you know, I, I would come out here and I would just give you guys a piece of information about me I've never told you before. Um, I thought I would just be honest with you. Um, I suffle, uh, su- suffle. <laughs> I, su- <laughs> I suffer from acrophobia, from acrophobia. It is the fear of heights. I suffer from the fear of heights. Now, my wife, she does not suffer from the fear of heights. In fact, she jumped out of an airplane uh, before, uh, and she has asked me numerous times if I would like to go skydiving with her, and I'm like, absolutely not. If you want to see Mr. Not Happy, you just put me somewhere where I'm really high up. I am scared to death of heights, and this is why every night I go to sleep, not I didn't think this was a blessing at first, but now, you know, uh, I go to bed at night and I go, thank you, God, for making me 5'7", because I don't know if I can handle being tall. I'm so scared of heights. I'm terrified of heights. I'm terrified of heights. How about anybody else? Anybody else afraid of certain things in their life? How about, let's start with the obvious. Okay, I'm going to need your participation hand raising when I say I'm going to shoot them up um, and then take them back down because we're going to go quick. Uh, Who has a fear of public speaking? Anybody have a fear of public speaking? That never goes away, okay? Uh, I also still have that fear of public speaking. You wouldn't believe it. Uh, Number two, who has a fear of heights? Who has a fear of heights? Anybody else have a fear of heights? Your hand's not raised too high, so that tells me how you are afraid of fear of heights. Uh, Anybody afraid of spiders? Creepy, crawly, eight-legged spiders. Yep. (laughs) Some of you are like, I'm not that afraid, and you see it, you're like, no! It's like this big, you know. It's not going to kill you. Uh, who's afraid of snakes? Snakes? Anybody afraid of snakes? Yeah, we're moving to the land of snakes. I better get over that one. Uh, how about sharks? Anybody afraid of sharks? Anybody afraid of sharks? Yeah, we watched the movie Meg on the airplane uh, a few weeks ago. Don't watch that if you're afraid of sharks. It's about Megalodon. they eat you up. Uh, did you know for a fact that you're more likely to be killed by a deer than a shark? Did you know that? So you should be afraid of deers, not sharks. Uh, or by chairs and stools. You have more people die from that every year than sharks. So you should be terrified of the chair you're sitting in right now. Anybody here afraid of blood or needles? Ooh, anybody, anybody? Yeah, that's on the list. I'm going off of the top 10 list that was surveyed of Americans of the things they're afraid of. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add one in. Is anybody afraid of clowns? Anybody afraid of clowns? Two hands. She's like, I've seen it, and I had a terrible sixth grade birthday party, or sixth grade, six-year-old, sixth grade, too much for me. 
It's not for me. I don't like clowns either. Um, and some of you, I hope there's a fear out there. I hope you don't suffer from it. I know Roberto doesn't suffer from it. It's called pagonophobia. Anybody suffer from pagonophobia? It's the fear of beards. If you do suffer from pagonophobia, it's going to be a long 35 minutes together this morning, okay? Uh, anyways, hey, fears, fears are all around us, right? Fears are all around us. And I think some of us, uh, we grow up and we're afraid of certain things. Like my daughter is terrified of the dark. Anybody else terrified of the dark? The dark is a huge one people are afraid of. She, loud sounds, dark. But when you're a kid, you know, you're afraid of things like thunder and lightning. You're afraid of these things that just kind of happen. And, and hopefully we outgrow those as we grow up, right? Um, and there's these things that we like to joke around with, heights and spiders and all those different things. That's true. We're afraid of those things. But those things are manageable. Like you're afraid of sharks, you just don't get in the ocean, right? Um, here's the thing. As we grow up, we start to get more and more afraid of other things, things that are very real. And maybe you think to yourself today, like, I'm not afraid of anything. Well, we're going to break that down. But, but what about things like, and I'm just going to speak from experience, okay, um, I, get, I get weird, like, fears that are irrational about things like maybe something's going to happen to my children. Okay, maybe my kid. Like, I, my wife will attest to this. We're in Target. My daughter leaves my sight. I'm like, she got kidnapped. She got kidnapped. She comes back around. I tell her all the time, you don't want someone to take you. You know, I get worried about something's going to happen to my kids because I love them. So my fear means that I really do, you know, it's something that's important to me. But it doesn't mean it's rational. I get, I, well, maybe you're afraid that you're going to lose your job, like you're just going to randomly lose your job, you know? Maybe you're afraid, um, you know, the doctor's going to call with that diagnosis that you have been dreading. Um, maybe you're afraid of you fill in the blank, right? We're all afraid of something. I believe we're all afraid of something. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is fear. We're going to talk about fear. We're going to talk about fear and how, how we need to become fearless people. Okay, and how that's actually biblical. We're going to talk about how God, how God doesn't want us to be fearful people and how, in fact, that fear actually separates us from the goodness of God, how fear actually pulls us away from understanding the character of God and, and, and therefore gets our life spinning all out of whack and all out of control. So that's what we're going to talk about today is fear. Now, maybe today, like I said, you're sitting here and you're like, I'm not a fearful person. I'm not messing around. I'm just not afraid of anything. I don't live in a fearful state of mind. I'm gonna challenge you with this. Fear has a lot of uh, synonyms that go with it, like worry or doubt or timidity. If you're a very controlling person, I would argue that you're afraid that things are not gonna go exactly the way you want them to go. Maybe you're afraid of things being imperfect. There's lots of ways that you can look at the lens of fear. If I say the word fear, Maybe that doesn't resonate with you, but maybe worry does or self-control does or all these other things that go with it. So today we're going to talk about it. And this is our big idea today, okay? Here's our big idea. That misplaced faith leads to fear. And it deprives us of the peace found in Christ. I, does it say it a little bit differently there? Oh, no, we're good. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> misplaced faith leads to fear and deprives us of the peace that's found in Christ. We're gonna say it one more time. If you're writing it down, stretch it out. It's a long one today, but I'll break it down for you. Misplaced faith leads to fear and deprives us of the peace that is found in Christ. Misplaced faith. Why am I talking about fear today? I'm gonna to be 
completely transparent with you. It has nothing to do with my fear of heights. You know, my wife and I, Janae, we're, we're moving to Arizona in two weeks. And we spent months praying about this decision. Months. And as we prayed through it and as we wrestled through it and we talked through it, um, you know, we really believed that God was pointing, saying to us, yes, take this next step. There were a series of events that took place that it just became undeniable that God said, you may not know all the details, but I want you to go there. And so we had this, this, this peace in our marriage between the two of us. Person, me personally, Janae still has it. We have this peace about moving, about upending our lives and facing change. But then I, I would love to tell, stand up here and lie to you this morning and tell you that everything is just still a peaceful, roseful, you know, everything's coming up roses in the Briar household when it comes to moving. And for me, it's not. I know that God has given me a peace, but, but here's the problem is, is I have started to misplace my faith and put it back into me. So today we're going to tackle two things in this idea. It's misplacing our faith and then how do we find that peace? Because what I've found is when I'm afraid of something, when I'm, I'm deeply afraid of something, all I want is, uh, is comfort and peace. That's what I want. I want God to give me my peace back. And so I'll tell you what, as we've been on this journey of getting ready to move, I, I have had nights where I lay in bed and I start the dreaded what if game with God. Oh man, God. What if, what if we move? What if we move and we don't, and we don't make enough money? What if we move and, and, and my wife hates it? What if we move and, and our neighbors are terrible? What if we move and we can't find a good school? What if we move and I can't find a church? What if we move and we never get to serve again? What if we move and like one of the cars breaks down? What if we move and one of my kids get kidnapped? What if we move? What if we move? What if we move? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And then it doesn't stop there. Then it's like 2.30 in the morning and the what if has turned into a completely irrational fear. God, what if my child gets kidnapped at the Tempe Mall in Arizona, and then I have to, I have to, I have to rent Taken on Netflix or watching on Netflix, and I have to figure out how to track somebody down and save my. God's like, what? Are we serious right now? Go to sleep. You know, what if God? We don't make enough money and we starve to death in the desert. It's like what. You're living in civilization. I'm going to take care of you. God, what if we become homeless and we burn up and blow into dust in the middle of the summer heat in Arizona? God's like, will you please go to bed? It's irrational. Your what if questions have turned into irrational fears. And I'll be honest with you, this happened last night. I looked at my wife and I said, are we doing the right thing? She's like, you better go to church in the morning. <laughs> I heard he's speaking on fear. You know, so here's the thing. Our what ifs, when we misplace our faith, it leads to fear. When I misplace my faith and I put it in me, because see what I've realized is the more and more and more I go on this road, on these fears, I realize I'm putting all of my faith and hope in me. I'm, I'm putting my faith in Justin, the provider. I'm putting my faith in Justin, the keeper of everybody. I'm putting my faith in me. And then, and then when I, I get off of that ledge, I realize I'm starting to put my faith in money. And then I can talk myself off of that one. Then I, well, what if, what if the people I work with don't like me? Or, or, and God's like, man, you've got to stop putting your faith in everything else. Because the moment you do that, it has robbed you of the peace, the peace that I've given you. And so today, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about fear and become fearless people so that we can experience and engage in that peace that Christ has for us. 
Has anybody ever played the what if game before? I'm not alone, right? Raise your hand. Have you played the what if? He's like, what if he calls me out right now? I won't. But here's the thing about the what if game. If you've ever played it before, you know that the final question you ask yourself at 3.30 in the morning is, what if I never sleep again? And that's the worst what if question on the planet, right? So I've had that before. And I'm going to tell you this. You're in good company. What we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to get into to the Bible here in a minute, and we're going to look at, we're not going to look at my perspective on fear and how to overcome it, because I'm no expert, I struggle with it. We're going to look at what God says about it. First, what we're going to do is we're going to look at somebody who's considered a hero of the faith. We're going to look at how he also plays the what-if game. I want to make you, the whole point of this is to let you know that it's normal. That first step of is it normal to be fearful? It totally is. And so we're going to look at that. But first, I, before we get into the Bible, um, I want to do this. As I was driving here today, I don't feel well. Um, I was so concerned about me and my, you know, whatever's happening in my head um, and my body. I was so distracted this morning. I felt like God said, Justin, this is not about you. I'm going to take care of you. What I want today is this. I want to break some chains for people today. I want to set some people free from the fear that they have in their life. He said, Justin, I want to liberate you from the fears that you have in your life. But this morning, it's going to require some participation. It's so easy to come to church. It's so easy to come into a building like this and get donuts and do whatever and and put on the happy face and to pretend like we aren't afraid of anything, like we have no worries and no doubts. But this is what I'm going to ask you today. Would you just open up your heart today and your mind and be real with yourself? And no one else here can keep you accountable except for you. But let God speak into those fears today, all right? And so this is, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray, and then we're going to get into the word. But I just believe that there are people here today who they, have, they need to be liberated from fear. You need to know that God is going to take care of you. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going we're to break some chains. I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to move, that God's going to move. He's going to break some chains this morning. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are the maker and the keeper and the giver of all good and wonderful things. Fear is not one of those things. So this morning, we pray that you would remove it from our life. I pray this morning that you would shed light into our darkness and that today, that today, we would be able to look to you and say, you did it. You took away my fears. You gave me a way out of my fears today. So we just, we just give you our hearts and our lives. Speak to us. We're here. And so we're just open and we just pray that you would, you would give us that freedom today. Amen. All right, let's go. Let's go. We're going to go to the book of Exodus. If you have your Bible or your Bible apps or your Blue Oaks apps, or if you're like, it's the end of the year, I ain't doing anything because my fingers are tired from wrapping gifts. That's fine. We're going to put it on the screen for you. If you want to do it that way, it's up to you. All right, so we're going to go to Exodus 4.1, but before we go there, we're going to do a little backstory. But before we do that, I'm going to ask you a question, a little trivia. Did you, do you know how many times it says in the Bible to not fear, to like a version of do not be afraid? Anybody know? 365 times. Does anybody here know how many days there are in a year? Anybody at all? Three, Chet, no. You got, you got to hook up with Chet. Chet knows all the answers today. 365 days and 365 times. I don't know, guys. It seems like a really big coincidence to me. I'm winking if you can't see that. Okay, if I have to tell my kids something 365 times, first of all, I'm not going to say it 365 times, okay? They're just going to go on a timeout. I'm going to get to about five and be like, timeout. 
You can come back in five minutes, right? Okay, but God's gracious and he's patient and all those things. And so he says 365 times in some version, do not be afraid or fear not. Now, if I have to tell my children something and I'm patient enough to say it 365 times, that means I'm trying to tell them something very, 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 very important. I'm not going to say it unless I mean it 365 times. Some of you are afraid we're going to look at all 365 times. We're not, okay? So that's one off your list. (laughs) We are going to look at a few. Um, And so we're going to start in Exodus, and we're going to look at Moses first. And this is what happens. Moses, if you don't know, Moses Moses was uh, born into a Hebrew family or the Israelite uh, nation, right? And so Moses, though, his life was in jeopardy, and so his mom did what any loving mother does. She put him in a basket and threw him in the Nile River uh, to save his life. And if you've ever been on the Jungle Cruise at Disneyland, you know that the Nile River is dangerous. There are tigers that can jump 10 feet in the air. There are elephants everywhere. There are hippopotamuses that go in trees. You know what I mean? Like, the Nile is a dangerous place. Has anyone ever been to Disneyland? No one's laughing. (laughs) That was supposed to be funny. Jessica knows what I'm talking about. Uh, The Nile River is crazy. She throws Moses in a basket in the Nile River, and uh, he just happens, coincidentally, to end up on Pharaoh's doorstep, and he's adopted into the kingdom of Pharaoh, the Pharaoh of Egypt. And then Moses becomes one of the most powerful people in all of Egypt as he grows up. He's just one of the family, but he's not an actual Egyptian. And so one day, Moses sees uh, one of the Israelites, one of the Hebrew men being beaten by a Pharaoh's, one of Pharaoh's Egyptian slave drivers, and, uh, and Moses intervenes, and yada, 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 and one thing leads to the next, and Moses kills an Egyptian. Pharaoh finds out he wants to kill Moses. Moses does what any of us would have done if Pharaoh was chasing us. We got out of Egypt, right? So Moses is out, and he's out in the wilderness, which is the desert, all by himself. And then he comes upon this man and his daughters. And anyways, there's this whole long story. But the bottom line is this. As we're picking up in the story, Moses has been in the desert. He's sitting there, and there's a bush in front of him. If you've ever been in the desert, you can come visit us in Arizona. But there, sometimes there's just random bushes, and there's nothing else around. It's like an ugly, dead bush. And he's just probably sitting there looking at it like, what is next in my life? Has anyone ever been there before? You're like, things were going awesome. And then one thing led to the next. I'm like, what is next? in my life. And he's sitting there looking at this bush. And as he's thinking that, this bush spontaneously just combusts into flames. And he's like, I don't, I don't know how that started. Like, I will not be responsible for this fire. And then the bush starts speaking to him. And if, if it were me, I'm like, I've been in the desert too long. And, but the bush starts speaking to him. And Moses has a conversation with this burning bush that will not be consumed by the flame. And it's God speaking to Moses. This is an incredible story. He's speaking to Moses. And he tells Moses, after Moses takes off his sandals and is on the holy ground and speaks to God, he tells Moses, go and get my people freedom. Go free them from Pharaoh, and this is what you're going to do, and this is what you're going to say. And Moses is like, great. So uh, if he says this, what am I supposed to say? And God says, you just tell him that God sent you. He's like, great. So then what if they say, what is your name? Because they're probably going to want, they're probably want someone they know, like it's a reference check. They're probably going to want to be able to call you and make sure I'm checking out. And he goes, just tell them I am. And he's like, oh, okay. Okay, that, okay, we could do that. And so he's getting all amped up. But then, you know, he doesn't just go and do it. 
because Moses is a human. Moses does what all of us did, pick up in Exodus 4, 4, 1. Uh, It says this, God says all these amazing things to him about going to free his people. And then Moses says, what if, guys, do we even need to read any further? This is not going to go well. Moses, a hero of the faith, who's been talking to a burning bush, suddenly has questions and doubts and worries and control issues. He says, God, what if they do not believe me? or listen to me, and they say, the Lord did not appear to you. He says, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? And what if they tell me that the Lord did not appear to you? I'm not even gonna keep reading because the whole point of this verse is to let you know it's normal. It's normal to say, what if? It's normal to have fear. But you see, the beautiful part of this story is that Moses doesn't stop there. God knew Moses was gonna say, what if? And he already has a plan for that. And so Moses actually just continues on that plan. And spoiler alert, those people get free. Moses leads them out. Now, the Israelites, they experience, they experience these seven plagues that come. And they, that convinces Pharaoh to let them go. And they survive all of them. And then Moses leads them down out of Egypt and they're running. If you ever heard the story, they get to the Red Sea and, and the Red Sea is, the, and the Israelites, or the Pharaoh's army is there and the Red Sea is there. And it's like, oh, they're stuck. They don't know where to go. And Moses is like, okay, dude. <laughs> oh, what if, you know? And, uh, and God's like, I got you. Just put that, just raise that rod over the, the sea right there and, uh, and it's gonna be cool. And so he does. He just raises the rod over the sea. And what does it do? It splits in half. And they walk across on dry ground. I just think it's an important point that it's dry. It's not muddy. Okay, it's really cool because when God makes a way, he gives you the best way. He doesn't give you the muddy way. He gives you the dry route, right? So they cross on dry ground. They get to the other side. They throw a party like you haven't seen before because they're free. They've got freedom. They've experienced the freedom. They saw the plagues. They saw the mighty hand of God. And they saw this sea part before their eyes. And they, and they walk across dry ground. And they're having this party praising God. And then God tells Moses, okay, next step. Next step is to go into that land over there because that's the promised land for you. It's going to be a land that's plentiful and fruitful, and you guys are going to thrive there. And that's where my people will grow into the nation of Israel. And, and Moses says, okay, let's go. He says, send out seven people to go check it out. So they send out seven house hunters into, the, into this land, right? And, and it's on HGTV. You can catch a few set, uh, episodes of it. But they go out into the promised land, and, they, and they, they find this amazing fruit. They actually call it the land of milk and honey. If you like milk and honey, you're like, wow. If you don't like milk and honey, I don't know what else to tell you. Soda and candy. Uh, it's the land that is plentiful. And they come back with this fruit, okay? And they, it says they came back with this fruit, and this fruit, they're telling them all about this fruit and how amazing this land is. And, and then they say, but there's one little caveat to this thing. There are giants living in the land, and they're very strong, and they're from this certain army. And there's this man named Caleb, and Caleb says, let's go do it. God said it's ours, let's go get it. And all of the men of Israel say, no, we're not gonna do it. And then they go ahead and they tell everybody a twisted version of it that makes it even worse than it is. But they keep talking about how great the land is. You see, the problem was is that they misplaced their faith. 
God said, go into that land, and they were all about it when it looked good. But the moment they saw something that derailed them, they misplaced their faith. And they put their faith in themselves and their ability to destroy those giants. And they said, we cannot destroy those giants. And when they misplaced their faith, they lost their peace. They lost their courage. They lost their strength. And so they didn't go. And then God, lovingly in his own way, put Israel on a timeout. For all you parents out there, I just want you to know that timeouts are biblical and you should use them. Uh, he put Israel on a timeout. And generation after generation passes. And three books later, we're going to look at the book of Joshua. It's time for Israel to take that promised land. So oh, go to Joshua 1. And it says, after the death of Moses, so Moses has died, the Lord said to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and these people get ready to cross the Jordan River. He's like, we're done messing around. Timeout's over. Let's go. It says, cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. Verse 3, and this is a promise. So you might want, if you have your Bible, underline it or bookmark it, whatever. He says, I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and to the great river, the Euphrates, all Hittite country, the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. He says in verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. The promise is for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God makes a few promises in there to Joshua. And you know what? God is the same today, tomorrow, and as he was yesterday. He, his heart is always the same. So if he's willing to make this promise to Joshua and the Israelites, then he's making that promise to you today. Now, in verse three, he says, I will give you every place where you set your foot. He says that no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. He says, I will be with you wherever you go. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look at three ways that in my own life I've been using to overcome fear recently as we get ready to move. Okay, three ways that I think that we can become fearless people and overcome our fears. The very first one is that we have to take God at his word. We want to take God at his word. That's the very first one. Okay, let me get here. So we're going to take God's word, and, and what we're going to do is we're going to look at Isaiah, Isaiah 41.10. And this is the word of God. you got to take him at his word. He says, so do not fear, Isaiah 41.10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you. That's the word of God. You gotta take God at his word. You see, you're either in or you're out. There's no middle ground here. You're either gonna choose 
to take God's word and not. Now, now, as a caveat here, maybe you're, maybe you're here for the first time and you've never taken God at his word before. In fact, this is a totally new concept. You don't even know why you're here today. But the fact that I'm challenging you to take God at his word is a pretty big step, and I respect that. But this is what I would ask of you. If you have no other alternative in life, like you're just tired of being fearful, I'm gonna challenge you, start taking God at his word and just see what happens. I mean, it can't get any worse. Take God at his word. That's a, it's, it, just take him at his word. Just try it. So that's the first step is to take God at his word. We're also going to look at another verse here. Let's go to John 14, 27. John 14, 27 says this, and this is Jesus talking. Now remember, misplaced faith leads to fear and deprives us of the peace found in Christ. And, and Jesus Christ says this in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus says, the peace I give you, I give you peace. I leave it with you. I, I don't give the way the world gives. See, the world gives with fear. The world gives you reasons to be afraid. And what if my 401k tanks? What if the politics go crazy? What if a, a war starts? What if, what if, what if the world wants you to be ever eating from the hand of fear. But Jesus says, I don't give the way the world gives. I give peace. And I leave the peace. So we have to keep our faith placed in the right thing so we don't become fearful and lose that peace. So we got to take God at his word. He's peaceful. He's peaceful. And then I want to look at, excuse me, <coughs> Psalm 34.4. <clears throat> this is David. And uh, and David, if you know David uh, in the Bible, he is, he becomes the king of Israel. He's very good at taking God as where it says that he was a man after God's own heart. And so I think David here does something phenomenal. He, he makes this statement, and it's so simple, but it's so powerful. Maybe some of you today need to write this down and put it on your, on your screen, on your phone, on your windshield, on your mirror, whatever it is. But it says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. He seeks the Lord, the Lord answers him, and he delivers him from all his fears. I don't have time to tell you all the things that David was probably afraid of at that time, but it is a lot, long, 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 longer list of things that he's afraid of. But he seeks the Lord. He takes God at his word, and God affirms him and then delivers him from his fear. We have to take God at his word. So that's the first step. We have to take God as word. The second step to becoming fearless is we have to know God's word. In Joshua, um, it says, you know, make sure that you always have this word uh, that Moses, the law, have it on your lips, have it in your heart. Don't stray from it to the left or to the right. You know, if you've ever driven a car, you know what I'm talking about here. You, you can't stray from the left to the right. Thank you. Thank you for guardrails. Who's ever hit a guardrail? Don't raise your hand. Oh, okay. Wait. Okay. <laughs> Hey, fair enough. I hit one, you know, but it was ice on the road. Anyways, so thank goodness for guardrails. But when you're driving, if, you, if you're taking your driver's test pretty soon, don't, don't veer to the right or to the left. Just keep going straight, right? And that's what he's saying here is you have to know God's word. You got to get it inside of you. And I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, it is, we only have a few days left, one day actually until the new year. And a lot of you are 364 days behind on the Bible uh, read through the year plan that you started last year on January 1st. Any takers on that? Because I'm behind on that one. So 
Our intentions are always good. Intentions are great. I'm going to get and I'm going to know God's word. But then life gets crazy. You know, things happen and you get behind. But the problem with this, it's a catch-22. If you don't know God's word, then how are you going to take God at his word? Right? If you don't know God's word, how are you going to take him at his word? You have to know God's word. That's why in Joshua, God, God is very explicit with Joshua about moving into this land. That when you get into this land that is where I have promised for you, don't forget about me. Don't forget about the rules and the things I gave you and the, and the blueprint I have for life because that's the way to go. So we got to know God's word. So first we have, we, have to, uh, we have to take God at his word. Secondly, we have to know his word. And the third one sounds simple, but it's not. We just have to be fearless. We have to actually go do it. There's no point in talking about it if we're not going to do it. There's no point in proclaiming God's word and then not doing it. I think the thing that's driving my wife the crazy, craziest uh, about this whole move situation is that I'm proclaiming that God has something really great for us. And then two seconds later, I'm like, are we sure we're doing the right thing? I think she's just saying like, hey, would you just do it? If you're going to say it and proclaim it, then just do it. If you're going to take God at his word, if you know God's word, then there's, there, the only next step is just to go and do it. He's not always going to show you the how, but if he told you to go do it, you go do it. I didn't read in here exact. He didn't say like, this is exactly the thing you're going to do. Sometimes he does. But for the most part in our lives, he just says, this is what I have for you. Go and take it. And you're like, I'm going to take you at your word that you're good and that you love me. I know your word. That reinforces the fact that I can take it. And now I'm just going to go do it. I'm going to act on your word. 2 Timothy 1.7 reinforces this whole thing. It says this. It says for the, uh, I'm going to read it actually out of this because I like this version better. Um, this is the NLT version. He says, uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but, a, but of power, love, and self-discipline. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Look, Jesus says, I give you peace. I don't give the way the world gives. And then Timothy says that we were not given a spirit of fear. It's not in our DNA to have a spirit of fear. Yes, the world is broken. And yes, we have, there's a whole series of events that happened in the, in the Garden of Eden that got us to this place. And here we are. And we have fear in our lives. But the spirit of fear that we have is not from God. That, that's just not his character. So if you feel today like God is telling you to go do something, but it's laced and laden and, and built around fear, well, I think we better, um, we better sell the house because I'm afraid that this is going to happen. No, God doesn't give you a spirit of fear. He gives you a spirit of peace. Hey, I think that we should do this because God's telling me we should do it. It's not, hey, I think we should lock our children up in their rooms because I'm afraid they're going to get kidnapped. That's, that's a spirit of fear. That's not of peace. We, we got, you have to know that you were not given a spirit of fear. You were given a spirit of, of love, of self-discipline, of power. 
And so we have to take God at his word, we have to know his word, and then we have to go do it. We have to be fearless people. And sometimes the very best thing, like it says be strong and courageous, sometimes the most strong and courageous thing we can do is just to settle down a minute, stop the what-if game, and have some peace. I have found in my own life recently that if I just stop and I say, when the what-ifs get crazy, I say, you know what? It's not what if this happens, but thank you, God, that you will take care of us because you're good, you've always taken care of us. And so my question for you today is this, how does this change everything for you today if you become a fearless person? How does it change your children? How does it change your coworkers? How does it change the rest of your family? How does it change all the people you interact with? Because see, the world is looking for somebody who's gonna be fearless, but not fearless like crazy fearless, like I'm just gonna go do things and, and get myself in trouble. A fearless sense of, the spirit of God is alive in me and it's moving me. It's giving me a peace to go be the person he's called me to be, to love people when loving doesn't seem right. God wants us to be a people of peace, not of fear because misplaced faith leads to fear and deprives us of the peace that's found in Jesus. Maybe today you're here for the first time at church. Maybe you've never gone to church. Maybe you've only gone a couple times and you find yourself sitting here and you're thinking, you're thinking, uh, I don't know about God. Like I said before, I don't know about God, but um, I'm so tired of being afraid. It's not about snakes. It's not about water. It's not about heights. It's about something so deep inside of me. I'm afraid of dying. I'm afraid of you fill in the blank. Fear is real. And if you ignore it, you will never have peace. And maybe today you're here and you're like, I need that peace. I'm willing to try anything. I've tried drugs. I've tried alcohol. I've tried money. I've tried everything. I want to try God today. I would encourage you to do that because Jesus Christ died for that peace. He came so that you would know peace. He is the Prince of Peace. That's why God came to earth on Christmas Day that we celebrate to bring peace. And maybe you're here today and you've known God your entire life. You've gone to church. You know all the old songs. You know all the new songs. You know you own a hymnal. Like you're a church person. You are churched, churched, churched. And you came in this room and you are afraid, afraid, afraid. I proclaim that God is the Prince of Peace. I give my amens, I give my tithe, I do my thing, but at the end of the day, I lay in bed at night and I wonder, what if you're not good enough and I've misplaced my faith? Maybe today you have misplaced your faith a long time ago and it's in you, it's in the stock market, it's in your company, it's in your stock options, it's in your Tesla, it's in your whatever it's in. God wants you to put your faith back in him so you can have the peace it's missing. There's nothing different between the two sets of people except one has eternal salvation and, and so far the other one may not. But I want to invite all of us today to remind ourselves that God is the only place to put our faith and our hope. And if you'd like to accept Christ today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. But if, if so, if you want to accept Christ today or you just want to put your faith back in God, would you raise your hand this morning? Would you raise your hand this morning? Amen. If you're accepting Christ for the first time, please find somebody and tell us. Do not leave without telling somebody. And then we're all gonna pray together. 
So would you bow your heads and close your eyes and let's pray together as we end today. Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, today I place all of my trust in you and I confess today that I have put my faith in so many other things and people and today I wanna refocus my heart and put my faith solely in you. I thank you now for the peace that you provide. Thank you for your mercy and your grace and I acknowledge that you are the Lord of my life. You died on that cross for my sins, for my fears, for my worries, and for my doubts. You died to give me peace, and you rose again and defeated death on my behalf so that I would never worry. Give me the courage and the strength to be fearless in the face of my deepest fears. Thank you for loving me. Everybody said amen. I love you guys. It's been great. It's been a privilege and an honor to be here with you this morning. In a minute, the ushers are going to come forward and collect the tithes and offering the next steps. And I hope you have a great new year and we'll see you next time. God bless. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, if you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. We meet on Sunday mornings at 8.45, 10, and 11.15. Uh, for directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, and we hope to see you on Sunday soon.